You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, Christmas week here, so we'll have an interrupted podcast schedule, but we're going to cover today, we're going to cover tomorrow as well, because it's a game day for your New Orleans Pelicans, taking on the Portland Trailblazers on the road. We'll touch on that in the third segment. First segment, we're going to recap that unbelievably disappointing loss on Friday to the Golden Golden State Warriors. Seriously, that one could have been avoided, probably, and shouldn't have happened in the first place. They are the worst team in the league. We'll break that game down, and then we're going to talk about the coaching staff and the, the coaches versus the players argument and all of that. Should Gentry be fired? That stuff. We're going to save the meat of it for the second segment. So let's dive into everything in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So Friday night, if you watched the game, which I can't imagine a ton of people were in New Orleans, this was also a game that was supposed to be on ESPN but pulled because both teams going into this were the two worst teams in the Western Conference. The Pelicans fall 102-106 to the Golden State Warriors. That is not a statement you want to say. Of the Golden State Warriors, six total wins there, 6-24. Two of them, a third, have come against New Orleans so far this season. That's not great. So much for making it two in a row. The Pelicans got off to a very rough start in this one, losing the first quarter 31-16. to Multiple turnovers, multiple bad shooting performances, and a couple of timeouts from Alvin Gentry. Basically to blame for all this. Maybe not the timeouts, but Alvin Gentry burned through a bunch of very early timeouts to try and get some sort of sense of consistency from his team. But basically, they just didn't seem like they were ready to play. And I get it. It's a long road trip. You're on the West Coast. It's a swing. It's around the holidays. This can be a little rough. But the Golden State Warriors going into this game were 5 and 26. Or sorry, 5 and 24. That's a bad record. You should not be struggling against a team like that, not to the tune of 31 to 16. If it's, you know, one thing if you're down two after the first quarter, but this wasn't it. You were blown out in the first quarter because of sloppy, sloppy play and just bad Pelicans basketball. They started to storm back in the third quarter, winning that one 37 to 28. But as they had a lead going into the fourth quarter, late into the fourth quarter, it fell apart. They were unable to make shots. They were unable to get stops. And we know how this goes. It's another uh, crunch time, clutch time loss, and basically they just dropped what should have been a very winnable game. And there were some really questionable decisions in this one. So by the numbers, Brandon Ingram finishes with 25 points on the night, 9 of 17 shooting, 5 of 9 from the field, though 0 for 3 from deep, 6 assists, 3 rebounds. Derek Favors back in the starting lineup, 10 points for him, 10 rebounds, 5 of 8 shooting in under 30 minutes of action. J.J. Redick in the starting lineup as well, 4 of 7 from deep, 14 points on the night, 4 rebounds, though he didn't make a shot in the first quarter. And Drew Holiday putting up 20 25 points on 10 of 22 shooting, 3 of 6 from deep, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. 
Off the bench, Josh Hart contributed nine points. Jackson Hayes, five. Lonzo Ball had a very good night, kind of being a bit of a spark off the bench in the first quarter. 14 points for him, two of four from deep, six of 11 from the field overall, though 0 for three from the foul line. Five rebounds, two assists, though four turnovers, but he had five steals. He had a very good game in this one. And you didn't see him in crunch time in the fourth quarter. Instead, you had Kenrich Williams out there. Kenrich Williams, by the way, who went 0 for 7 in this game, 0 for 5 from the three-point line, did have seven rebounds, uh, three assists, but finished with zero points on the night. And you know what? He's been struggling tremendously over the course of an extended period of time. Over the past 10 games or so, he's shooting under 22% from the field, under 13% from three, and 20% from the free throw line. That's bad. He does a lot of those other winning things that we like, but when he gives you zero offense and has given you zero offense for a while, this is a guy who shouldn't be playing crunch time minutes. You need to have some scoring production there. And the Pelicans left him in. Instead of a guy like Lonzo Ball, who had been playing well, who had been shooting well, and was having a pretty good game overall. I don't know if Kenrich Williams is going to help you win games, so what is going on here? It's a little bit surprising to see that. And these are the type of decisions and and questions we have when we are going to discuss things about the coaching staff in the next segment. The hell is Kenrich Williams doing in crunch time? He should not be starting this game against the Portland Trailblazers. And if he is, that's also a huge question mark because Alvin Gentry was very critical of him after the game. We all like Kenrich Williams. We thought at one point he might get paid a little bit this summer. I don't think he was going to get paid a huge, huge amount. But right now with what he's giving you, it's really, really bad. And you can't keep putting him out there with some of these lineups because teams are just daring him to shoot. When he had the ball in his hands, the Warriors didn't do a damn thing to try and contest it whatsoever. And we're like, go ahead, dude. You rip your shot. And he did. And every time he did that, he missed. And it was just, again, disappointing to see that why are you having that guy in there, especially after timeouts, when you need someone to go and get you a bucket. And it's very clear that this is a guy who hasn't been able to do it. Not really sure what's going on there, but this is a game that the Pelicans shouldn't have lost anyway. The only significant person they were without is Zion Williamson. We've been saying, or people have been saying, let's wait for the schedule to get easier and maybe the Pelicans can run off a bunch of wins. But if you lose to the freaking Golden State Warriors who were 5-24 and going into this one without Zion and you drop that game... Who cares about an easy schedule? There was your easy opponent. Those are those, these are the games we hope the Pelicans get on an easy schedule. And they still lose. There are significant issues with this team. And we're going to look at some of those coming up in the next segment as we talk about the coaching staff, talk about the players, who's to blame, and why are we picking sides on this in the first place? But that's a bit of a rant that I'm going to go on. So we'll have that coming right up. Before we get to that, though, today's show brought to you by Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for quality sleep service with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash LockedOnNFL. I know it's a little confusing. And using the promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And if you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers so obviously things are going pretty poorly here basketball wise in new orleans at least this season 
So does that mean the Pelicans need to make a change? And this is the debate that's been raging on Twitter now. Probably, you know, in theory, you could say years. But certainly the past week or so, as the Pelicans sit at 7-23, and 23, you're 30 games in, you have seven wins, that's second worst in the Western Conference, second worst, tied for second worst in the entirety of the NBA, and you're only one win better than those other teams, the Atlanta Hawks and the Golden State Warriors, who did just beat New Orleans. So do you make a change? Because clearly things aren't moving in the direction you'd like. Now, we need to preface this by saying long-term, nothing's changed for New Orleans. They're still in a really good position. You have all the assets coming over from the Lakers trade, all the future picks. The current guys still here. Some have worked out like Brandon Ingram. Some haven't like Lonzo Ball. You still have Zion Williamson. Just because he hasn't played yet this season doesn't mean we're thinking – anything differently about how good he's going to be in the NBA long-term. You have Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and those young guys. Things still look bright moving forward, but your short-term goals, your short-term targets have been completely whiffed upon. That's not good. And when you spend all off-season really hammering home that you're going to beat people's asses, that you're going to have a top-five defense and be disappointed if you don't, this isn't good when you all of a sudden are sitting at 7-23 and 23 with one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, they currently sit at 28th worst, so third worst. None of this is good. So does it mean it's time to make a change? And I want to also say, I don't care if this team does or not. I don't know if actually making an in-season coaching change is going to change things and cause the team to win more. And if that's what you're hoping for, I don't think making a coaching change is actually going to do it. In general, when interim coaches step in, the team's bad and there's issues with the team. So it's tough to kind of turn things around midseason, whether it's introducing a new offense or defensive scheme, what have you. You can't really just get that stuff done. So making a change likely isn't going to impact the one loss record for the Pelicans whatsoever. But there are, you know, pros and cons for why you should do it. Now, I certainly don't think Gentry should be back next season after this and after what we've seen. The defense has never been good. It's never finished in the top half of the league or in the top 10 in the league uh, other than one year with him. You know, he's been here for a while. So defense is just something I don't know if it's he's not focusing on or what have you. And look, they had Anthony Davis, you had Drew Holiday, you had two of the five guys on the all-first defensive team or the all-defense second team. If you have two of those guys, you need to be better than what they are. And I do think that comes down to some coaching and what this team's trying to do, and it just doesn't work and hasn't worked for a number of years. So when it comes to this season, again, I don't know if making a change is going to do much, but there are reasons to. If you think Chris Finch is a future head coach, maybe you make a change now to let him get that run and to get that experience and you get a jump on evaluating him because he has kind of had interest around the league for this sort of thing. And if you want to keep him, well, then it's only going to be as a head coach in the future. So maybe now you can put him in there. And if you like what you see from him, well, then cool. And if you don't, then you just kind of let him go and do another thing. But at least you've evaluated one of those guys that's a potential head coach for you. And I think that is a big reason why maybe you do make a change to kind of get a jump on that. You also need someone who can maybe get through to some of these other guys. It is, and this is what I wanted to talk about more so than anything else. I see on Twitter the debate raging of people defending the coaching staff vehemently and putting basically all of the blame on the players or the majority of it. And then you see the opposite of that, of people putting all the blame on the coaching staff and not really putting any of the blame on the players. If you're taking a side on this and like vehemently defending one or the other and vehemently def uh, blaming the other one, 
you're wrong on all of this. It is on both sides, probably equally. But here, when you look at this team with its subpar IQ, basketball IQ, who's supposed to get them to be smarter basketball players? That is a coach. It's like any job you have out there, your manager is trying to get the most production out of you and make you grow in that role and become better. That's what managers do. It's what coaches do. If you want to say this team is, has never been around winning and so you have a team of guys who don't know how to win, whose job is it to show them how to win? The coaching staff. We don't see the basketball IQ improving. Now, Gentry's not out there making them make bad passes, but he needs to be helping them grow to not make those bad passes in the first place. And those need to be cutting down. And we don't see that. So he is clearly... Very obviously so, not getting through to these guys, not helping them grow in terms of basketball IQ or winning or building a culture. Is he helping them improve his players? Yes. I think you can say that 100%. You see Jackson Hayes improving, look at Brandon Ingram improving. But overall, you're missing a lot of the things that you need to see a head coach do. Now, we don't get to see all of that either because we're not there in practice and it doesn't necessarily just show up in games, but you're still missing some of those things. And it's the coach's job to do that. It is a coach's job to improve their basketball IQ and impart that knowledge onto these guys. And you can say, well, he probably is, but the players aren't absorbing it. Then he needs to try it a different way. That is like literally his job to do all of this. So because of that, I think you can make a change. Is it fair to Alvin Gentry? Probably not. Uh, you know, but it's kind of part of the job. Life doesn't have to be fair. These head coaching jobs don't have to be fair. Sometimes you're just in a shit situation and this happens to be one. And Gentry's dealt with this like with the utmost professionalism you've ever seen. Being trotted out there last year after Dell Dumps was fired, trying to answer questions because no one else in the organization was, was not fair to him, but he did it. And he did it awesomely, to be honest. And he shouldn't have had to. Same for this season with everything he's dealt with and had to go through and all the injuries and everything. You know, this hasn't been fun for him, I'm sure. But you know what? It's kind of how this goes. So this is not a knock on him as a person. It's just sometimes things need to change. And this could be, could be, I'm not saying it should be one of them. But the players are also to blame for a lot of this. Again, they are the ones going out there playing, missing shots. You know, they're telling Kenrich, hit your threes. But he's just not. They're telling Lonzo Ball, attack the rim, but he's just not. Again, could it be you need to try and reach them a different way? Maybe. But still, you guys get what I'm saying. Don't be on one side or the other. There's just a whole ton of blame to go around for everybody and probably everyone equally. But if you're not willing to listen to criticism about the coaching staff or you're not willing to listen to criticism about the players, I don't know what to tell you. You're kind of missing the forest for the trees here. And I see a lot of that on Twitter. It's disappointing because, frankly, you shouldn't be standing so hard for one side or the other. So I don't know if Gentry should get fired or not this year. Because, again, I don't know if it's going to change necessarily everything. But I think given what we've seen, you can make a very good argument for it. Now, you could also make the argument that Zion Williamson hasn't played. And you know what? We should see how he does with Alvin Gentry as his head coach in actual NBA games. Is Zion improving game to game? If he is, and he's looking like a better and better NBA player, maybe you don't move on from Gentry because right now, Zion improving and becoming as good of a player as possible, as quickly as possible, probably the most important thing to this team in the future of the franchise. And we haven't been able to see if he's able to do that. But if you're expecting win-loss changes, I don't think it's going to happen with this team. As I said in the last segment, 
you just lost to a team that had five wins. That was five and 26 or five and 24. Sorry. That's bad. When the schedule eases up, we're really expecting this team that we've seen now lose to the Golden State Warriors twice among some other teams. We're expecting that team to go out and go on a run. No, they have an easy final 15 games. You trust them to go 10 and five at this point? You shouldn't. Even when the schedule eases up, like what's going to change? The defense is still abysmal. You wouldn't be losing to the Golden State Warriors and some of these other teams. So I don't think the win-loss thing is what you should be focusing on when it comes to a coaching change, but those other things. And you can make an argument for and against it because of that, but we'll see. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what David Griffin thinks. And he's been in the corner of Alvin Gentry. And after publicly backing him pretty hard this offseason, I don't know if he's going to want to come out and fire him. So they may wait till the offseason where Gentry may be tires or something like that you can kind of call it that where you don't need to worry about it and just it kind of admitting that you were wrong but things aren't going well right now and clearly that is on the coaching staff it's on the players as well and if you want to be angry about it scream at both of them that's kind of where the blame lies so the pelicans play tonight traveling up to portland to take on the trailblazers the trailblazers who have gotten back into playoff contention eighth in the western conference so far though with a 14 and 16 record bottom of the west is pretty bad um but they're riding a four game uh winning streak right now uh though pretty banged up still no use of nurkic all season long you have carmelo anthony who's been playing pretty well for them actually at times but he's banged up zach collins out uh, basically for the entirety of the season, but we'll actually see. Uh, and so a number of these guys. So again, led by Damian Lillard, 27 points per game, seven and a half assists, four rebounds, shooting 36% from deep and almost over nine attempts per game. CJ McCollum, 22 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, 3.7 assists. Carmelo kind of doing some things. He hasn't looked amazing, but he hasn't looked bad. 16 points for him. Um, Hassan Whiteside doing things down low. That's a tough matchup in general for Jackson Hayes, but we'll see if Derek Favors is able to take that when they didn't have him before, um, which maybe gives Pelicans a bit more of a chance in the front court. We can preview this, but like, who the hell knows what's going to go on here? Portland's offense, pretty good. Defense, not so good. So if the Pelicans struggle to score, well, then it's going to be a long night. We'll see how it goes. Um, let's just call it here. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game. 